And now, live in studio, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. He's a successful entrepreneur, published author, top listing agent, a real estate and finance expert that goes to bat for you every day as a consumer advocate. Your host and the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Welcome into the show. You've got your backup quarterback today. It's James DeJerome, the executive producer of the Consumer Quarterback Show. Our host, Brandon Rhymes, is under the weather. So like any good backup QB, I put down the clipboard and jumped in here. I'm going to lean on my teammates. we got Mike back there on the buttons for Salem, making us sound real good. Of course, you WeBeam TV viewers are familiar with Rob's work. Rob's our tech from WeBeam that keeps the show on the web. And we've got some great partners in here to help carry the ball with me a little bit. Jay Smith, A Snoop Inspections. What's going on, Jay? Ah, not much, James. It's... Just this, this is new for me. Yeah, this having is, James behind. Yeah, you. this is new for all of us. Doing uh, <laughs> us today, also Greg Bowman, the AC guy of Tampa Bay. What's going on, Greg? Hey, James. Great to be here. Awesome. Now you guys are out there in the field doing work, regardless of the weather. How does the weather play into this at all? Do you ever have to send someone out if it's too cold? I know you. Um, no, not really. I mean, the cold doesn't affect that. You know, we're careful with ACs because once it gets so low, you got to be careful checking. You, you those. all over the state, Jay? Um, we do seven counties here. I mean, if there was something special, sure, if someone called me and said, I need you know, so many properties done in an area, we could do anywhere on the state. But we basically do seven counties. I got you. And Greg, you're primarily Hillsborough, Pinellas? And Pasco, yeah, three, okay. three county area. Yeah. So tell me about uh, the holidays. How does it affect your business in terms of flow, volume, busy, slower? Um, it usually slow down, slows down a little bit. Uh, it's interesting. I think last year is the first year I didn't do an inspection on Christmas Eve. Hmm. So I, I've usually no, had something low. going on that wow. I just got to get this in and I'm out there at 10 a.m. Christmas Eve still doing an inspection. How does the migration of the snowbirds, do they get an inspection when they come back or do they want you to, what do they do in terms of the property? Sometimes you get a call with it where they've got an issue and they just want more advice, you know, to go out there and check something out. And then the other thing is you've got the friends of the snowbirds that are coming down and right. buying their own place. So that's why. Our market doesn't die like the North does. We we will continue through the winter. It's not a big deal. The investment side keeps pushing it. Absolutely. Gotcha. Greg, how does the cold, I know you're in the air conditioning business, but it's the heat business as well, right? Correct. Yeah. So if it gets cold enough, we stay busy. Uh, mild weather, like if it just gets cold overnight, but during the day warms back up, then things can, tend yeah. to be a little slow. I don't know if it's just because I had an older home, but I remember... A, not having a heat pump associated with my air conditioner. Do you run into Floridians that just say I, I didn't need it or they didn't think they needed it? De- definitely, yeah. Yeah, a lot of native Floridians don't think they need heat, and, and they don't. Uh, I had a neighbor where we used to live, uh, lived in Florida all his life, and for 15 years had a system that the heat didn't work, never used it. So. Hmm. I guess you just get, get your sweaters out and yeah. you'll be fine. Now, for the mortgage, though, your heat needs to work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, what, that's a pay, box you got to check on pay, the expected. Paying cash, not a big deal. You want... Mortgage, you better have the heat working also. Now, that goes into our, our talk about forms and inspections. This new four-point form you were telling me a little bit before the show? Yeah, we're still running into a few things because they ask uh, several more questions on the new four-point. You know, things like dishwashers that we didn't have to mark down necessarily on a four-point. Will it stop insurance? Probably not, but it still can slow some things down that now the insurance company starts asking more questions. So more items to inspect. Yeah, I mean, even something... Hey, you got a brand new roof. Great. But you still have stains on the ceilings inside the house because there's literally a yes or no question under the roof section that asks, is there stains on the interior ceiling? 
well, if they're there, I have to check it. Right. You know, even though the leak is probably gone, now you have to discuss it with the insurance company to say, well, it's a brand new roof. We're not leaking anymore. Mm. Well, you know, they may or may not give you a hard time. I don't know. Every insurance company is a little different, so you don't know what you're going to run into. Is this something that you've seen the, the industry do every couple of years? You see the, a form? Honestly, we've been on the same four point, I'd say, for six or seven years now. So it's been a while. And even the, the current wind mitigation has been around since 2012. So that's six years old. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they come up with a new standard just based on the crazy weather we're getting around here lately. Well, what I'm waiting for is what will change in our codes since Hurricane Michael. Right. Uh, last time with Andrew that we got really hit hard with, it was about two years. And Miami-Dade County changed all their codes. So what are we going to be looking at in 24 to 36 months? Everyone, I'm sure, will be keeping an eye out. I can't imagine. I mean... The, the video and the pictures from the panhandle where it's just a slab. You don't even see the, 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 the structure is completely gone. It's not even in the shot. I couldn't imagine uh, anything surviving that kind of a situation. So this, the codes, will they ever meet a storm like that? Well, I don't know if you've read about that house on Mexico Beach that stayed that was recently built. Um, it survived. It survived and survived fairly well. I mean, there was still some damage. But it was poured concrete walls. I see. You know, of course, the the better windows, they put a hip roof in, which is the style of the roof is a little bit different. And they used metal for your roofing. And all of that was intact. So maybe something to consider as we go, as we get more into the treacherous storms, you know, maybe people will start making that a priority in their home design. I really wish they would do more coverage of the storm. Like, you know, we know Mexico Beach and we know Pensacola got hit really hard. And like you said, all you see is slabs and there's nothing there. How far inland did that damage really go to that extent? I mean, was it a mile, two miles, five miles? I would really know more, like to know more about that part of it. You know, not that it would necessarily influence the codes, but I, this <clears throat> this particular storm had this late intensification where you, you went to bed, it was a category uh, one. Yeah. And then or, or barely a hurricane. And you woke up, man, and it's doing this huge damage mm-hmm. at 155. So that, that late strengthening. That may change everything if this is a trend. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can no longer say you'll be fine up to 105 miles an hour or whatever it might well, be. Well, one thing I haven't heard either is you, know, you hear about the, the fires in California and they'll say 8,000 homes are gone. Well, how many homes? I've never heard how many homes are actually gone. Like you said, yeah. there's just slabs. Yeah. That's gone. It wasn't burnt down, but it's still not there. Right. How many homes was it in, in the panhandle I, I, that I, are no longer around? There must be, you know, I can imagine, like you said, miles inland, there's piles of someone's house that no one even knows where it's from. Yeah. I saw people sifting through ash to just trying to figure out if this was where my home was. Not even looking for their items, but thinking this could be our street. It's just a white ash, you know, for a square mile. Yeah, absolutely. I want to take a trip up there soon. Um, I'm pretty sure there's areas that they're still only allowing the contractors and only allowing homeowners to go in to sift through rubble or whatever it may be. Um, so I figure I'm going to wait another 45, 60 days, but I actually just want to take a drive to go check it out. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine that situation. As you mentioned, the, the house that survived, Can you imagine being in that thing during that storm? Oh my goodness. No, no, not at all. I, I, I've always had the, the thought category one, category two, I'd probably stick around town. If it's heading towards a category three, I'm gone. And I'm in, I've been in construction and yeah. home inspecting for 33 years. I'm gone. I mean, I've also, I also rethought it. I thought I'll ride it out. You know, I don't, I don't want to have to try to fight to get back to my property after this thing comes through, but man, there's no way you're going to survive that thing. No, not at all. Now, Greg, I remember you, your story. You told us a little bit before you were, uh, had come down to the Tampa Bay area 
from Jersey, is that correct? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah, that's yeah, right. right in the, that area. So how long till you become a Floridian like us and you're cold when it's 55 degrees outside? Six months, probably. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen fast, I'll yeah. tell you what. Yeah, that first summer we went back to visit in August and we were at a party like a, you know, at Sunday afternoon or something like that and it was 68 degrees and we were cold. Everybody was standing <laughs> in the shade because they were hot and we were like trying to find the sun. So. I've had people tell me that the temperature down here is a little cooler because of the humidity difference. So they're from Colorado or they're from Utah and they're like 50 degrees is nothing, but down here it feels a little chillier. I think mm -hmm. it has to do with the moisture in the air perhaps. Probably, yeah. Mo the moisture in the air actually tends to make it warmer, feel okay. warmer, uh, the, the higher the humidity. Um, but uh, that's, that's why, for example, in Arizona, you know, they have 105 degree temperatures. You, if we had 105 degree temperatures here, people wouldn't be walking. Um, but because it's lower humidity, you can, you can wear that better. I know um, you had mentioned in the past humidity <laughs> control being a big factor now in, in today's AC units. Mm -hmm. In a situation like that where you're lacking humidity, or moisture. Is mm -hmm. there such a thing as adding? Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. We don't really need it in our market here. Right. So, but there's dehumidification system or I'm sorry, humidification systems that are used very heavily in other parts of the country. Hmm. Um, in the Southwest, they call them swamp coolers. They'll just use an evaporative cooler. In fact, they'll use that for cooling only. They don't have a system with a compressor like we have. They just have a water panel that water trickles through and they blow an air, you know, blow huh. air across that it will add humidity and also cool at the same time. Uh, I had no idea. So. But nowadays, most of the installs you do, there's a heat pump associated with the unit. Most, yes. We still do quite a bit of just air conditioning with electric heat, uh, which that is real popular, a little, just a little bit further south because, you know, you, don't, you have almost, almost no heating weather when you get down into Fort Myers, Miami, that area. Um, but in our market here, we still have enough hours to run heat that, it, you know, from an economic standpoint, if you're going to turn your heat on, a heat pump makes sense. Jay, how does that play in the inspection if there's no heat pump associated with the AC? It's just, a, just a, something that's lacking. Well, you do have areas that just use electric strip for the heat, and that's it, because we don't necessarily need heat that often. Condos, for instance, a lot of times won't put a heat pump in. They're just going to use a standard system. Now, they're still going to, you know, you still have your outside condenser. You just don't have two heat sources like you do with a heat pump. I got you. So, Greg, is that the most popular? What is the most popular unit you see installed nowadays? Probably a heat pump. Yeah, that, that would probably be the most popular. Um, but, but like uh, um, Jay was saying, there's a, uh, all of them have a strip heat. So even a heat pump has a strip heat. Um, gotcha. And a straight air conditioner also has a strip heat, so it has a source of heat. You know, they've, they've kind of come a long way in, in terms of the space heaters. We talked about you know, external units that people uh, put different places. You had mentioned zone cooling one time when you were on the show before. Mm -hmm. Does that apply with heating as well? Correct. Yeah. And any kind of heating air conditioning system can be zoned. It's, it's really kind of amazing to me that, um, you know, we wouldn't think of building a home and having one switch to turn all the lights on in the home. Right. But we do our air conditioning and heating and comfort that way all the time. Um, and yet there is zoned heating and air conditioning available. I mean, you could have one temperature in your bedroom, another temperature in your living room, another temperature in your office. You know, we can zone all that and control that. Uh, yeah, it occurred to me that if you're heating a home, it's going to rise and spread out depending on your you know, the configuration of your home. It's not going to mm -hmm. be even everywhere anyway. Correct. And the same thing happens in cooling. You know, you have to kind of balance it. it. You know, every part of the home has different, what we call heat loss and heat gains. Heat gains being how it picks up heat, heat loss being how it loses heat. So right, if a part of the house is gaining heat, we need to cool it. If it's losing heat, we may need to heat it. Um, All right. 
We're going to learn a little bit more about inspections and heating and air conditioning. Stay with us. It's James DeJerome in for Brandon Rimes on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Check us out online at ConsumerQB.com. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I'm Forbes Riley, celebrity TV fitness host and creator of The Spin Gym. I'm here today with Brandon Rimes, and you're listening to the Consumer Quarterback Show. Great ways to get happy, healthy, and wealthy. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com. Ian Beckles here with my man, Brandon Rimes, a.k.a. the Real Estate Quarterback. Brandon, what's happening with the market? Thanks, Ian. We are in a low inventory market, so any of our listeners are homeowners and would like a free comparable market analysis or a 2.5% listing, we will honor this for the first three listeners who call or text in 813-773-1253, free CMA, and a 2.5% real estate listing at 813-773-1253. Check out PlatinumMVPRealty.net, PlatinumMVPRealty.net. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. And I'm here with my business partner, Brandon Rimes, the real estate quarterback. Thanks, Ken. If you're a seller thinking about selling your property, we would love to talk to you. Text CMA to 813-670-7372, 813-670-7372, or check out PlatinumMVPRealty.com, PlatinumMVPRealty.com. You're listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Welcome back. Again, it's James DeJerome sitting in for Brandon Rhymes today on the Consumer Quarterback Show. We've got Greg Bowman, the AC guy of Tampa Bay, and Jay Smith from Ace Snoop Inspections here. And of course, like we always do on the Consumer Quarterback Show, we're going to tell you something good. We got an injection of positivity for you. We've talked, uh, I don't know if you've heard some of these celebrities and different folks in the news picking up layaway tabs for folks. And uh, we got a great story for you about that coming up at the end of the show. But right now we're talking a little bit about air conditioning and heating. And uh, Greg Bowman's here with us. Greg, we mentioned the zoning as we were going to break there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can actually lower your power bill by having multiple units because the efficiency increases? Correct. And you you don't even necessarily need multiple units. Uh, We can zone a house with one system with, uh, there's all kinds of ways to do it. Um, The traditional way of doing it has being your ducting is split up and there are electronic dampers that open and close and feed the air to different parts of the house. Um, Today though, they've got smart vents. So the, you know, the registers on your wall where the air blows out of is smart. That can be Wi-Fi connected to a control to your, fo- to your smartphone, hmm. and you can open and close those based on your program schedule. Um, so you can zone a house that way. Um, Nest, for example, and Echo B, some of the major smart thermostat manufacturers also have sensors, remote sensors that can be replaced in other ha- parts of the house. Uh, we have a customer coming up that... Um, we're going to be doing a job for that has a condo on the beach and middle or late in the day when the sun's beating on the glass on that side of the house, that side of the, you know, sure. the, the house gets really hot. Um, it being a condo, the ductwork is not accessible, so it's not an easy way to zone it. But oh, yeah. we're going to put a sensor, a remote sensor on that side of the house that the programming of the thermostat will recognize that after 4 p.m. it's going to switch and use that sensor to control temperature and then during the night it'll switch back to the other sensor. Uh, so there's some really neat ways that you can do that. Yeah, that, that seems like your house is getting more and more modernized. 
how have you kept up with all the gadgets now, Jay, when you go into somebody's house and they've got this whole smart thing and Alexa and everything going on? Do you have to keep an eye on that? Well, I actually have run into some of the things he's talking about as far as the smart vents. Um, run into zoning. I mean, that's been around for right. a lot of different years, just in different forms. So whenever we're checking different zones, we'll check each zone by itself alone. I won't run the whole system through the house. That if they've zoned it upstairs, downstairs, check the downstairs first. After a while, we'll go upstairs and actually check that separately. Because each one's got to be evaluated. Even though they work together in tandem, you got to have a report on each unit. Absolutely. Well, each it's each section because you still can run into problems. I've run into problems on brand new houses where a room, the ductwork was not run correctly and it wasn't getting good airflow to one particular room. So it's really not the system. It's the ductwork that was a problem there. Now, I've got my crawl space. I can't imagine you up in there, Jay. It's very, very tight. It's what do you mean? It's 1,000 degrees up there. How is, how is somebody going to get up there and check my the ducts, the interior of my air ducts? Um, every attic's a little different. I mean, okay. there's a lot of them I can get into. There's a lot of them I can't get into. Yeah. Um, even, you know, I've got other inspectors. You know, I've had to call one of my other inspectors out that I needed to check a certain area. Uh, to get into those tight spots, but sometimes you just can't get there. I mean, some of these houses are designed where unless you're right. going to tear down sheetrock, you're not going to get into that attic. Greg, you deal with that sometimes where you have a tight spot and you got to have somebody mm-hmm. smaller to get in there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've had to go into some areas already where, yeah, we've got to find the smallest person we can to get in there. And sometimes you got to do like, like Jay said, you got to just open up drywall is the only way to. Yeah. Get because there. I, he was, when you started talking about the ductwork, I thought it might, it's so tight up there. And the ductwork, mm-hmm. if we had to replace that, that would be quite a, quite a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've replaced it in some pretty tight areas already. My guys don't like it when we have to do that, and we typically try and do it this time of year when it's yeah I comfortable. Because <laughs> by eight in the morning, it's already hot up there. Yeah. Now, uh, in terms of the duct work, I've seen companies that offer cleaning of the ducts, not mm-hmm. replacing of the ducts. Mm-hmm. What is the process for cleaning your air ducts? There are two different procedures for how to do that. Uh, there's the roto brush pr- process where they basically send in a rotating brush with a vacuum mounted right behind it. So it will disrupt the dust and dirt and then suck it out. A um, little bit of danger there. And depending what the inside of the ducts are like, if they're the, tr- you know, the, the most of what Florida has is the fiberglass ductwork. Mm-hmm. You brush that too hard, you're going to tear it open. Yeah. So a little bit of danger with that system on our type of ductwork here. It can be done, just ne- definitely needs to be done by somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. Um, the other system, which is more common for metal ductwork, is where you would hook up a giant hose centrally to the duct system, close off all the vents, and then one at a time they feed in what's called an air whip, which is like a little ball on the end of a compressed air hose that bounces around as it shoots out compressed air, knocks the duct dust loose, and then the vacuum is sucking it back through the duct system back to the back. If it's been, how many years does it take till your duct could be corrupted or not efficient anymore because it's clogged by dust and you know stuff up there? Um, clogging a duct would take a long yeah, it would time. Seem to me. Yeah, unless it's a real small one or a kink duct, but uh, it doesn't take long at all for them to really look nasty. Just think about a room in your house. If you closed the door and didn't enter that room for four years or five years, yeah. what would that room look like? I'm amazed at how many people are unfamiliar with the air filters in their home. Yeah. They don't oh, even yeah. see. I mean, Jay, Jay, tell me, you've been there. You've opened one up and be like, has this ever been I, changed? I shake my head so often. If I can make any recommendation to any listing agents out there, when you contract the house and you know the inspector for the buyers coming in, ask your people to change the filters. I mean, when we see nasty filters, it's not a, a good sign of how right. well it's been maintained. Right. 
You have a feeling that air conditioner's been choking the whole time trying to deal with that uh, filter like that. I, I actually saw a house one time, and it's been a few years ago, but at the time I did the inspection, it was only six years old, and I swear they never had changed the filter, and the system was strong enough that it actually folded the filter up and pulled it into the ductwork so it could get airflow past it. Wow. Yeah, a lot of our systems today use what we call a variable speeder, an electronically commutated motor, which will do that. They're designed to ramp up in order to maintain airflow. So if you try and restrict it with a dirty filter, it will just spin faster and faster to it get the air at once. And with the smart systems today, is there anything they can do to give you an alarm, a warning, something? Some oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of them have, uh, you know, systems to alert you that it's time to change your filter. But we get service calls all the time where not heating, not cooling, and that's all it is, is a, <laughs> yeah. a dirty filter. Which you would think if your system's not working as a homeowner, that would be the first thing you'd want to And one of the only things check. you could. I mean, I, I, I have no knob. I can do that. You yeah. know, I think I would at least take that step. Yeah. All right, so uh, what about... We talked about the filter being a, a, an issue. What other maintenance tips can people do on their own? Is there any cleaning or anything they can do or anything that's required to, to extend the life of your AC unit? Uh, the filter is the biggest one because if you're keeping the filter clean, the ductwork stays clean, the system stays right. clean. If you're not, then those things get dirty faster. Um, but on top of that, the drain line, um, I think we talked about that on yeah. one of the previous shows, uh, using a wet dry vac, to, you know, shop vac to suck out that line. Uh, and there should be an access cap on most newer systems that you can then put a little vinegar down the drain line. Uh, all those and how things often help. would that be something you might do? It really is house specific, depends on the situation, but we would recommend probably every six months, um, you know, doing that or minimum of a year, you know, once a year doing that. So the newer systems that you're installing, much more efficient and have greater lifetime. You don't see these issues kill them as fast. Um, yes and no. Um, it's like, um, you know, the, the old cars that were easier to work on and probably had fewer problems than the highly sophisticated <laughs> machines that we have today. It's no different with air conditioning. Everything is getting more sophisticated, but with that comes sometimes more problems. Yeah. Um, now the warranties today are fabulous compared to what they were. Um, you know, when I started in this business, your traditional warranty was five years on the compressor, one year on the parts. So, you know, after the first year, if it wasn't the compressor, you were paying full price to fix everything. Today, a lot of our systems have 10-year parts and labor. Uh, There's some units that have lifetime on the compressors now. Um, so it's a lot longer warranties, but problems-wise, there's probably more things that can break. Jay, have you found that when you're assessing the age or the, the in lifetime that remains in something out there? Honestly, I think it's only been the last few years that systems have really been changing. We we're, we're kind of in the old ways for a long time. So longevity, it's yet to be seen. Mm. Um most time they're working, but we go out and find systems that are only three, four, five years old that do have an issue that aren't quite either working up to par, it's not cooling enough, or you know, part of it. The, one of the issues I run into fairly often with heat pumps is there's two heat sources, and the secondary heat source, the emergency heat, when it gets really cold, uh, doesn't operate. And of course, you know, sometimes we go years without using them is one of the issues. The homeowner that was selling the home doesn't even realize that it doesn't right. work. It's not, I mean, I can't say it's not their fault, but it's really not their fault because they haven't used it. I haven't even sure. thought about that part of the system. Hmm. Now, Greg, we, I've heard you on the show before, and you've mentioned that there's no longer this allegiance to a particular carrier or uh, manufacturer. It's, it's more about establishing a relationship 
with your AC company because the individual products are very similar now across the board. Is that how you feel about the commercial line? Yeah, it's going more and more that way. I mean, when I started in this industry, I was a big believer that the brand mattered, that you know, you wanted to buy a particular brand, particularly one of the big brands mm -hmm. like Train or Carrier or Lennox or York. But um, the industry has just gone in such a direction that they're all very similar, um, that really the only thing that differentiates them is how well they're installed as to, as to how they're gonna perform. If you look at reviews online, you'll see a wide range, and it really is a reflection of the installer. All right, well, we'll get more information, more knowledge coming for you on the Consumer Quarterback Show. This is James DeJerome. Sit in for Brandon. Come right back, and we'll tell you a little bit more about how to be a better consumer. Thanks for listening to my daddy's show. For more information, go to ConsumerQB.com. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. Welcome back. It's James DeJerome sitting in for Brandon Rhymes today on the Consumer Quarterback Show. I'm your backup quarterback. I got Jay Smith from Ace Snoop Inspections here with us, and Greg Bowman, the AC guy of Tampa Bay. We've been talking a little bit about heating and air conditioning and home inspection. And I had a question as we were going to the break there. We talked about the efficiency of new machines. You know, in the old days, they used to say you had to buy a, a big brand, a big name. And we talked about how sometimes that's not the case necessarily today. But now that everything's smart and has this ability to be controlled by your phone, We've got this new element of bringing computer technology to all these devices, whether it's your refrigerator or whatever it might be. So, Jay, if, if someone's out there, would you advise that they want to have every device, you know, the, the, the refrigerator and the microwave and everything online? I mean, does it, it seems like you're making problems for yourself. Um, I, I mean, I think there's more potential problems in, the, in that. I mean, just realize that if you want that convenience and be able to operate it from anywhere at work, you want to turn the stove on before you get home. Hey, you, you may end up with more issues here and there mm -hmm. um, that plan on repair costs. I mean, yeah. you, just, you just have to build that into your budget. So someone out there is going to be the guy who comes to fix your, your uh, web browser on your refrigerator. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we're at, where we're heading. We're, we're heading that direction. I mean, we're not quite there, but it's getting closer every day for sure. I can't imagine. I mean, I, I love the idea of being able to turn on something when you're not home, certainly. Uh, open a blind or a light or something like that, maybe as defense mechanism. But I can't see the application for every single thing online. I'm constantly amazed that the microwave has the ability to get online and my dishwasher and so on. Yeah, I'm I'm not uh, sold on all of that yet. I mean, that's <laughs> Greg. If you had to hire a, re a computer guy to to be the guy that handles the chips and all the the AC units, or how do you do the computer work? 
and something fails? It's all board based, uh-huh. so and it's all pretty much self-diagnosing. So it's actually uh, requiring less intelligence, perhaps, to know what to do because most of the units now you open them up and they will. There's a board in there that will tell you what the failure is, similar to the cars where they can plug a module into your computer mm-hmm. of your car and know what's going on. Um, but I do agree, it's uh, more and more problems will come with that. So. I think that's why it's so important to make sure whatever you're buying has a strong warranty, yeah. um, you know, so that you're protected, that you're not um, dealing with issues a couple of years down the road. Yeah, I can only imagine more sophistication certainly gives you that ability to do more. But, man, it just seems like we're it's going to be complicated to manage all these devices in your home. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Jay, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the trend in, in home inspection being that there's new forms to consider. What, what are some of the issues that you see in the future if you were going to predict what what homeowners would want to know or what information they may want more of what do you what do you get from homeowners when they ask you hey have the condition of this or that well I I mean one of the big issues I think that's getting more prevalent here and there is unpermitted work you know we used to get away with it and the mortgage company didn't worry about it a whole lot or even your insurance company now you're running into issues you know I'm talking to insurance people and they put the roof on eight years ago, but didn't permit it. Now, with the insurance company starts looking at it, it's limiting what insurance companies will take that. Yeah. So if you want to be able to shop your insurance, I want to be able to shop my insurance to 20 different companies, not 10, cut it in half as far as not having a permit for it. Even um, in Greg's business, I can, I'll be honest with you, 10 years ago, when they were replacing systems, ah, were they getting permits half the time? No. I mean, I didn't see the permit work done then now in the last three, four, five years, see a whole lot more permits for things like the heating and air conditioning. Um, one thing that a lot of municipalities would like to see is permits for water heaters. And that's still not something we're really hitting on and getting hmm. permits for things like that. So when it comes to the devices in your home that, that are going to be inspected by you, does, does a, do you see the, in these flips and the renos, all these investors that come in, is there a particular appliance that is the most sought after change or the, the thing that everyone updates to make the home sellable or more sellable? I, I think refrigerators are big and plus refrigerators are, have a tendency to fail more often than other items. Um, dishwasher is something else. I mean, even quieter dishwashers. You know, that's one thing I'm, I'm for. I mean, you don't even have to buy all the gadgets on the dishwasher, but just one that's more quiet is nice that it doesn't sound like an airplane going yeah. off when it turns on. Yeah. I'm amazed at how efficient uh, electric range is, how hot, how fast and how hot they get. I mean, it seems like the old days, you know, the coil, oh, <laughs> you yeah. turn the thing on and wait 20 minutes for it to be, be hot. Uh, in terms of air conditioning, the computer element, does that allow it to reach temperature at greater speed? Uh, I don't know if it would, if I would say that, um, but they, I mean, there's a lot different ways of doing it now. You know, I think we talked about this in one of the earlier shows where, um, uh, the old system or the the most traditional way of air conditioning is uh, what we call single stage where, you know, either off or on. Mm-hmm. Um, then two stage came out where it would be at like an off position, then a low position, then a high position. And now we've got the inverter technologies that are becoming very common, which is like a dimmer switch. It's, you know, off to 100% on or anywhere in between. So... Um, with the inverters, you can get there a lot faster. Carrier has out one that they call their green speed, which actually ramps up to like 130% or something like that. So you can bring the temperature up very quickly for heating side of it. And a lot of the other manufacturers are following suit with that, um, you know, same principle. In that idea that we're, 
kind of preheating or pre-cooling is that a is that a something your tech would set in terms of how the duration of the pre-cool phase or whatever uh, it is? Um, it depends on the machine, but it typically is controlled by the thermostat a lot of times. You know, like, for example, if you come home and your thermostat was set at 80 degrees and now you want it at 75 and you go over to the thermostat and crank it down, it's going to recognize that you want it to cool fast. It's going to try and get there fast. Um, if it's already at 75 and it, but it needs to cool a little bit more, then it'll do that slowly. Um, so the thermostat will kind of kind of tell the machine what to do um, in, a, in a couple of years the machine will know itself um, they're putting uh, bluetooth and wi-fi technologies on the machines now so um, yeah in a few years they'll they'll we won't even probably need a thermostat actually in a couple of years well that and the thermostat <laughs> that recognize you're in the house so you Cor- have the correct. sensor you walk in it actually recognizes that you're there and it'll start changing the thermostat no. settings right then how, and then what's the recognition method? How, your heat, your body heat or something crazy? How does it the, know you're in the house? The most common way today is by your cell phone. It'll recognize okay. your cell phone coming and entering. But there are motion sensor ones, too, that will recognize if there's movement in the house, that then it's time to switch the profile to an occupied sensing. Wow. So, Jay, uh, in the inspection process, we talked about, you know, how the um, your appliances factor into the value of the home and their age and whatnot. And you're trying to assess the, the remaining life in some of these things. We talked about construction materials changing over time and brands that you can rely on. Do you ever run into a, a buyer or someone who's had to come down to do the inspection and doesn't like the, a particular brand? And you say, well, the life is still good, but they have allegiance to a brand and it's no longer really practical. No, to not have too that? often. They're just looking at functionality for the most part. You know, I'm not a big fan and, and I'm sure Greg goes along with this where they've changed out one side of your heating and air conditioning system and you may have you know, a carrier on one side and a Goodman on the other side, I would prefer that they just stick with the same brand. And even these days you try to change out both sides. Um, if it's, you know, 10 years old, 12 years old, I wouldn't really be looking at changing out one side. I was going to ask you about uh, water heaters and the tankless. Everyone, it seems like such a great, is there any drawbacks I don't see in tankless? I mean, it seems like it's more it's efficient and it saves you the ability to, you're not going to flood your house. Tankless water heaters, the big one is the gas, natural gas ones are the best ones. The electric ones are, are, are making some nice strides. I'd really do a lot of research before I switched over. If I was in a home and had several kids, I wouldn't switch over to an electric tankless. I would stick with the tank because you're going to be using enough hot water on a regular basis that in the long run, you're better off there. Uh, retiree, where, you know, they're not doing as much laundry, you know, not taking super long showers or anything like that. A tankless is a good way to go and even possibly doing the electric. Now, one of the things to consider with electric is do you have enough power in the house? The minimum for a tankless is you have to have at least 150 amp main panel for your home. So if you've got an older home, you only got 125 amps, it's not recommended to be installed because it pulls a lot of power very fast. Right. Uh, where the tank system is just pulling it all day long as far as just keeping it warm. Have you seen advances in the tank technology where you're getting greater lifetime out of the actual tank water here? Uh, I wouldn't say longevity, but you do have hybrid systems where they've actually got a heat pump on top of the, the tank where partially it's just running off the electric coils and part of the time it's actually running off a heat pump just like the heating and air conditioning for your house so that's a little different so your hot water needs are not necessarily uh predictable you may have a lot of kids or you know i mean i'm thinking of a home someone moving into a home that requires more hot water than the previous tenant even though this you know bathrooms are the same same amount of showers same amount of sinks 
I've in, I've inspected houses that have a, a gas tankless just for the master bath because they've got either the great big tub or they don't want anything to affect uh-huh. how the water's flowing in that part of the house. So it's it's all in what you want for your home. Right. So you got to consider, I, boy, it's a good thing you guys are on the show, I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, Greg. So tell us, what's the future? Do you see anything changing in terms of your business? You're, you're expanding, doing anything new, a special? Is anything coming up for the holidays? Um, we do have a, a special going on, uh, end of year special. Um, actually, um, equipment pricing has been going up dramatically throughout this year. Uh, Is that primarily. a result of the tariffs? Yeah. Well, that's what the manufacturers will point to. <laughs> um, it, it happened in conjunction with the tariffs. So right. This has been the first year where we've seen three price increases and we've got another one coming January 1. So um, we are running an end of year special right now where we're doing up to $2,500 off a qualifying system uh, in addition to any other manufacturers or, or power company rebates that may be available. Um, but uh we're doing that trying to close out the year strong and because beginning of the year prices are going up so we're going to have to redo price books again and, and, and everything so is that because of the materials involved the, the aluminum the, that's what they're that's what they blame it on the steel copper aluminum that are in the machines that when the when the prices went up because of the tariffs that uh, that, that they had to start raising their costs as well um, so yeah traditionally we get one increase a year this year we've had three call it four since we're getting one January 1 wow All right, we'll give you a little more knowledge when we come back. Consumer Quarterback Show. Again, it's James E. Jerome sitting in for Brandon Rimes today. Make sure to come back, ConsumerQB.com, Consumer Quarterback Show. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, and you're here with Consumer Quarterback Show. And I say, Brandon Rimes, knock out your competition. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. House or condo? House. Three bedrooms or four? Three. On the golf course or next to the lake? Both. Choosing the perfect house involves some tough choices. Where to find it? That choice is easy. Homesandland.com. There are thousands of listings from the area's top realtors. Search by bedrooms, by price, and choose just the features you want. And in Homes and Land magazine, you'll find full-color photos and detailed property descriptions. For a free copy, call 1-800-277-7800 or visit Homesandland.com. Hey, I'm Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. And I'm here with my business partner, Brandon Rimes, the real estate quarterback. Thanks, Ken. We're recruiting real estate agents to our team, PlatinumMVPRealty.com. If you want to knock out your competition, join PlatinumMVPRealty.com. 813-670-7372. 813-670-7372. Join the winning team. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rimes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Welcome back. Again, it's James D. Jerome sitting in for Brandon Rimes today. And one of the things Brandon always does on the Consumer Quarterback Show is inject you with some positivity and tell you something good. We're going to do the same thing today. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with these stories that have been in the news lately about different folks helping out for the holidays by picking up layaway tabs for people. So Tyler Perry is the one I'm going to tell you about today. Tyler Perry has helped out thousands of strangers uh, pay for their Christmas presents by picking up the tab at layaways at two Walmarts outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I know it's hard times and a lot of people are struggling, Perry said. 
I'm just really, really grateful to be able to be in a situation to do this. So God bless you. Go get your stuff, he says. According to Walmart's director of media relations, the actor covered layaway costs for about 1,500 people, totaling $434,000. So Tyler Perry's generous donation is making an unbelievable difference for so many families, and we can't thank him enough for his kindness, said Walmart. The heartfelt excitement and joy we're seeing for our customers as a result of this holiday gift has been touching. And then, inspired by Tyler Perry's good deed, as Jay mentioned earlier, Kid Rock paid for $81,000 worth of layaway gifts to clear some balances for people in Nashville, Tennessee. And others are taking uh, part as well. So Perry's act of kindness inspired Glenn Beck, inspired Tyler Perry's generosity. He says, I'm stopping at Walmart in Dallas to bless some people and pay for their layaway. So again, it's that concept of paying it forward, just like we talk about here on The Quarterback Show. That's a great thing out there. And for the holidays, there's nothing better. So consider committing a random act of kindness. And you never know who you're going to touch when you do that. So keep everybody in mind. And let's, let's, let's be positive with each other and help each other out through the holidays. All right. So I'm back in studio with Jay Smith from A Snoop Inspections. And we got Greg Bowman here, the AC guy of Tampa Bay. And lately, we were just talking about construction materials. And it, it affects air conditioning as well as a lot of products that are around your home. Uh, Florida being unique with our humidity and sun and temperature and everything down here. What do we wear out faster down here, Jay? AC. Everything? <laughs> yeah. I can AC, imagine. A- ACs and roofs. I yeah. mean, you're just, that AC is running on and off all day long. And of course, just the sun beating down on your roof. Um, a 25-year shingle doesn't last 25 years in Florida, where if you were in Pennsylvania, if you say a 25-year shingle, it's probably going to last right around 25 years, give or take. A year or two. What do you look for? You talk about the curling edges or something that's an indication that your shingles are getting near the end. The granule loss is the you know the actual part of the outside of the shingle. Um, curling is the other part of it. Your corners will start curling up, but that's a three tab shingle. So it's really the granule loss overall in most of your shingles, as far as an architectural or dimensional shingle. How about in terms of shingle construction? Is it improved with technology over time, or do you, do you think it's about the same as it was ten or fifteen years I ago? I tell you, I think. Some of the only changes that we've really seen is um, not allowing the algae and things like that to grow, especially if you've got trees over top that it's mm-hmm. resistant. As far as lasting longer, yeah, we're making them a little bit thicker. I mean, when I started in the industry 33 years ago, a 20-year shingle was a normal shingle, even a 15-year shingle. Uh, 15 doesn't even exist anymore. And honestly, today, I'm not even sure if they make a 20-year shingle right. any longer. I think it's you know, 25, 30, and 40. So we have gotten a little bit better. But if you're taking off 25 to 30% of your life in Florida, you know, that nice 30-year shingle's yeah. not lasting 30 years. It's only going to last 22. Um, it'd be great if they did, but you're not seeing that. I know I did one the other day, and unfortunately, they didn't have any documentation on the roof. And it was a nice thick shingle. I don't think it was a 30-year shingle. I think it was actually a 40 or 50-year shingle hmm. pull in the house. And I don't see that very often. That's a rare occasion. You know, we had talked about Mexico Beach and the tragedy that happened in the Panhandle with the storm and everything. I had had uh, Mary and, and Chuck in and talking about they're going up there to the Panhandle to help out folks. And she had mentioned that she saw a lot of metal roofs that survived up there. Yes. I understand the material being uh, more resistant to wear. But what about the 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 connection to the roof or the fastening that makes the metal roof survive a little well, bit. Well, you, you've got bigger pieces. You don't have these individual shingles that are a foot wide and three foot long. That's where you're u- losing your shingles. And once you lose one or two, it just starts peeling more of them up. With the metal roof, it's much larger and you've got more fasteners in each section than you do on a single shingle. So that that's one of the big differences there. Um, the metal, metal roof systems are some of the only ones that you're going to get 
that you can apply that will meet 150, 160 mile an hour winds. A shingle cannot get there, no matter how many fasteners you put in it. How does the metal roof impact the temperature of your attic space? Uh, it's a lot of variables there. Okay. Some of them are insulated underneath. Uh, is a a, a, um, a sprayed insulation that's right up against it. I mean, there's a lot of factors to consider with the metal roof. Also, I mean, I think with a metal roof, it would depend on how large your attic is. I mean, if I go up into an attic that has a nice steep uh, pitch to the roof, which mm-hmm. gives more room in the attic, it, it's it's a little cooler in those. It has more room to move around. When you got a really low pitched roof, they're the really hot attics, unfortunately. And venting doesn't assist in any way, or it can only do so much. Absolutely. I mean, you have to look at all the venting, and it's the soffits to make sure that the insulation guys didn't seal up all along the edge of your roof and make sure they've got enough either roof vents or ridge vents at the top of the roof to make sure you got good airflow. I couldn't imagine going up and trying to do that if it had been blocked off. I imagine the temperature in there. Have you ever popped open? The- I've popped them open and can't go in. Yeah. I mean, it's so hot. It's like you have to address the ventilation. And I've been in attics at 130. I mean, summertime, that's normal. You're going to have 120, right. 130. You start hitting 140, 150, wow. or going towards 160 degrees. Guess what? I can't go in there. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's it's for my own livelihood that I can't enter that attic. I I don't blame you, uh, Greg. You, as far as the the attic goes, the insulation is going to where you locate your thermostats and where you locate your air handle and all that inside the home. Are you trying to avoid heat hot spots or any particular temperature change? You know, would you locate it in a corner or in, in a particular spot? Yeah, you definitely want to, I mean, the, when the house is designed, the thermostat should be located in an area that, you know, is getting a good reading, but you can't put it in certain areas. Like you can't put it on an outside wall because you mm-hmm. get potentially getting radiant heat through the wall. There's certain things like that that we have to, to factor in. Um, but insulation is definitely important uh, to the air conditioning. The two biggest things that will affect the air conditioning load are your condition of your windows and the amount of insulation, in the, particularly in the ceiling, but the walls as well. If you take your your regular home AC unit and you replace the thermostat, have you improved the efficiency of the? What have you done in terms of you? Uh, is that the brain in terms of how you think of the AC system? Yeah, it's really like a light switch. You've just changed what turns the air conditioning system on and off. Now, in a more sophisticated system today, like the like some of the ones that we we're talking about, the inverter ones, that thermostat can only be replaced with ones that will control your system. So if you just go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy one and put that on, your system will stop functioning because they communicate back and forth. That's what we call communicating control. But if you're just replacing us, you know, going to Home Depot and Lowe's and updating your traditional thermostat, you're not really improving the efficiency, but you are improving your control of it. So you may have some efficiency gains that way. You know, if you have an old mercury-based thermostat, which there aren't many of those around anymore. Every now and then we see them, but but um, they have a really wide swing. So if you set your temperature at 75, it might actually be 80 to 70 in the house because it's that inaccurate. Hmm. Uh, whereas a digital thermostat's a lot tighter yeah. of a band. I actually had some suggest, why don't you replace it with a digital thermostat? I thought, I didn't know if they would work together or if mm-hmm. the age difference would be a factor or what that would actually, would it be turning on the unit more than it needed to be? I had no idea if they married it, it together. Would, it would run the unit just enough. So it would run it, you know, uh, it creates a narrower band of controlling temperature. So, I mean, it all factors in with what system's there and, and got to work together. Home, correct. It's all a system approach. Um, you know, as to what so will happen. you ever run into that, Jay, where someone's, uh, these guys have attended to flip this thing and they brought in all in new gadgets to try to make it uh, increase the value a little bit, but they're not cooperating? Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes they don't hook up the, emer- the backup heat or emergency heat properly, so that part won't work. 
Um, the other thing, I mean, I make suggestions to snowbirds all the time to put in um, a Wi-Fi thermostat so that they can see what's going on in their unit when they're up north in yeah. Pennsylvania or Connecticut or wherever they're living for the summertime. That way, if their system goes down, the system's going to tell them. I mean, it's like, hey, it's it's getting to be 82, 83, 84 degrees in my unit. I guess my air conditioning's not working. I better get on the phone and call someone. I had mentioned that to Greg. I was, what's the strategy when you're going away for a while? What do you do with your AC unit? To, what's the best situation? And you had mentioned mm-hmm. leaving it in, but up a little. Yeah, you don't want to just turn it straight off. You want to leave the unit running, but maybe just raise the temperature. If you have a Wi-Fi thermostat, it's beautiful because you can do it with your smartphone from anywhere. So, but um, you want to, you know, probably raise the temperature a little bit to try and save some money. What you're not running it cold while you're right. while you're not there. But. but humidity down here can really wreck a house if you're not careful. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah, that's I mean, why you I, don't want to turn it off. I have a Wi-Fi on my condo, and there's days that I've got it set higher for the afternoon when I'm not there. And I'll get a notification on my phone. Hey, the humidity's getting high in there. I'll knock the temperature down on my AC a little bit to knock down the AC, the uh, humidity that's building up. So it doesn't take long for that mold and stuff to, to start growing once you get a bad situation. You get into the eighty, you know, anywhere in the eighties, and you've got that potential. Um, that's where if the system's gone down and it's going to be down for a few days, I, I'd be concerned. That's where the Wi-Fi comes in and the snowbirds. If you're not even in town, to be able to keep an eye on it. Well, that's what we're doing here on the Consumer Quarterback Show is trying to give you some information that will help you be a more informed consumer. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, again, Brandon does such a good job with the show, and I-, I wish I was better at this. But for now, I just want to say that random act of kindness that Brandon talks about all the time, that's really what the show is about. We want you to be positive for one another and this holiday season. Let's make it the best we can. So consider committing a random act of kindness. He always talks about taking some food, taking it out. You never know who might need it. Just be keep your eyes open. Let's help each other out over the holidays. Thanks so much for joining us on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Again, I'm James D. Jerome, sitting in for Brandon Rimes. Consumer Quarterback Show. Check us out online, ConsumerQB.com. You've been listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rimes. Whether it's real estate, consumer, or financial advice, let Brandon call your next play. Contact Brandon Rimes at 813-670-7372. That's 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. And join us next time for the Consumer Quarterback Show. Weekday afternoons at 5 on AM 1380. The Biz.